Emotions are a sensation birthed out of an experience, but feelings are generated from the thoughts and perceptions of those emotions or about those emotions. Emotions aren't going to change. They shouldn't change. They are, they just are. But what can change is how you feel within that emotion. And this is the power because it's not the emotion necessarily that's generating the sense of safety or threat. It's the feeling birthed out of the perception of that emotion that creates that sense of safety. And this is what you can change is your feelings. This is the Made for Living Well podcast hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well lived. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, my name's Alexa. This is the place where I believe you were made for living well. In fact, everything you need, you have, you just have to learn how to live it out. And that's what I want to teach here on this podcast. Now, we are halfway through a summer series on how you heal. And I have been loving this series, and I know it's a twisted version of what you would think about from a traditional nutritionist. And it is. Because the way that we've been trying to approach health has not worked. So it's time to flip the script, unlearn what we've learned, and really dive into what does it mean to heal? And as you're learning, it's a full body approach. Yes, what you eat matters, but it's also the mindset, your thoughts, and like we learned last week, your energy field. So if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I would encourage you to go back and do so. It might help you understand today's podcast in a little bit deeper way, but if you don't, that's okay, because today you're going to learn something that can help you in your everyday life, which is exactly where health is lived in the everyday moments. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about how to reparent yourself and this understanding of what it means to have or create emotional mastery. But before we get to today's podcast, I do want to remind you that there is more information and details laid out in stone over at The Living Well, where I give you some pointers on what it looks like to create emotional mastery. So make sure you head on over there and check out that blog post. And also, while you're there, sign up for the weekly fill where we are going to dive deeper into the topic of reparenting your childhood self and really understanding what emotions are and why they have such an impact in your life. And we're specifically going to be talking about what you learned from your past and from your parents and how that's shaping how you're living out health. In fact, that creates the blueprint unless you change it. So we're going to dive into more of that over at The Weekly Fill, which you can find at thelivingwell.com. And while you're here, I do want to remind you of the summer podcast sponsor, Element. Now, I love, love, love Element. One, because it is an amazing electrolyte drink that has all of the minerals our body needs in order to be well hydrated, but even further than that, to create a sense of balance within our nervous system and our hormonal flow really makes a world of difference. In fact, there's a growing body of research revealing that optimal health outcomes occur at sodium levels two to three times the government recommendations. Of course, getting those sodium requirements from a quality supplement from quality sources like used and element. 
I would highly encourage you to check it out and get your free sample packs by using my link, Drink Element, that's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com backslash made for living well. And you can get that free sample pack and try it out for yourself. I know you're going to love it. It is exactly the boost of nutrients you need to help healthify and provide safety inside your whole system. I'll be sharing more later on in the podcast, but for now, check out Element at drinkelement.com backslash made for living well to get that free sample pack. And now I want to get right to today's show, which is also about the nervous system, uh, but it's really about this whole body approach to health. And that's specifically talking about emotional mastery. Now, you might be wondering, okay, again, I know we're in the series How We Heal, but we have really camped out here and the understanding of our mindset, of our beliefs, really changing the story and the narrative of health. And the reason is, is because it is required to get healthy. I think something that I had a really hard time understanding for so much of my health journey was I really believed that if I could just change what I did, I would change the outcome that I experienced. And yes, that is true for the most part, but there's also some really critical elements that we're missing in that equation because us doing things only happens over the course of time if we believe that they're valuable and good and also if there's an element of pleasure and it aligns with our beliefs and our thought patterns about whatever it is that we're engaging with. And the majority of the time, unless we learn how to change our thought patterns and our beliefs and really create the sense of emotional mastery, we will live out of patterns that existed or that were repeated in front of us that we learned in childhood, which is why this concept of reparenting yourself is going to be really important and honestly, one of the more beneficial things I did for the scope of not just my health, but all of my relationships with myself and with others. And again, it's because a lot of this is just learned. It's learned behavior that's passed down from generations to generations. It's the same thing with with money or with life decisions. We tend to have an idea or a belief about specific things like money or like your body. And those beliefs were generated from your past from your childhood experience, from those formative years where you learned so much about the world, how it works, and your your place inside that world. Now, that's not always accurate, as we're going to learn, and neither are your feelings. Your feelings or emotions, they really do drive your show. They are what most consider the the very beginning point of all functions inside your system because they're really the starting point of all actions inside your system and thoughts inside your systems. Now, yes, of course, your thoughts can change your feelings and emotions, but generally speaking, it's your emotions first, changing your thoughts and your thoughts then changing your feelings. But regardless, how you feel is going to change how you think and act creating the outcome you experience. And when we talk about health and nutrition and the concept of what it takes to get healthy, I think we have to ask not so much what do you you need to do, but why are you not doing the things you know you should be doing? (laughs) Like we all know things we should be doing. The question becomes, why can I not get myself to do those things? 
And often it's because we have no emotional mastery, right? Like we're, we're being dictated and controlled by emotions, even emotions from our childhood that are just creating these cycles and this lifestyle that we're living out of. These cycles learned in childhood have become our pattern of our life, no matter how much we try to change that. Now, I was reading a book the other day, and I think it gives a good example of this cycle and what's learned. And it was talking about how at Christmas time, the family would always cook a ham and they would always cut the butt end of the ham off. And someone asked, why did you cut that off the ham? And they were like, I don't know. That's just what my mom did. And so they were like, okay, let's go ask your mom and ask her, why did you cut the ham that way? And she's like, I don't know. That's just what I learned from my mom. And so they went back and asked her mom, grandma, why did you cut the butt off of the ham? And she's like, well, because I didn't have a pan that was big enough. I know it's a silly story, but it does show the programming is often inserted into us without reason or logic, but just because it was learned through watching, observing, through things that we heard. Science shows us that most of what we do is actually learned patterns and behaviors. Now, I think one of God's greatest gifts for us is the ability to change and how our mind and our brain is like moldable, it's elastic, it can be reshaped and retrained all throughout life, no matter how young or old you are. So yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. It's just, are you willing to learn the new tricks? Today, I wanna teach you some new tricks because this really does change and help you to stop doing things you know you shouldn't, and start to engage with things you know you should. Really, at the end of the day, it's not being so dictated by what you feel and by these unmet emotional needs that stir within you, learning how to fill yourself with those things so that you can create that sense of safety and actually engage with positive behaviors to create the change that you are capable of. And it always begins by this understanding of emotions and reparenting yourself. And it's a huge process in how you heal because your emotions are like a sensory organ. They're taking in information and it's deciding based on how you feel, how safe or unsafe you are. As we know, everything in the body is being run based on the spectrum of how safe or unsafe you are. And all things flow from that. And the only way to get healthy is to create safety within yourself. Now, ironically, no matter what you're going through, even the hard things, you can still find safety and pain. It's just learning how to do so. And if we don't, as you'll learn from this startling fact, the majority of human emotions are negative. And that's not just because we live in a negative world. I mean, obviously that goes along with it. But our negative emotions are actually a form of protection and survival, just like anxiety. In fact, some interesting thoughts about anxiety is that every single species in the animal kingdom has animals who tend to be more anxious than others, like that there's a variation in how those animals perceive the world. And they have found that there is a percentage of all populations that just naturally are a little bit more anxious. They're more aware of the world around them because in that anxiety, they're able to recognize threats more easily. So we can see that in the human population as well, right? Anxiety is not necessarily wrong or bad. 
often it's the anxiety about the anxiety or your feelings about your feelings is really where things take a turn for the worst. But it's just your perception of the world and how in tune you are to threats and safety. And you're probably going to have more of a propensity to see the negative things if you've experienced negative things in your past. If your childhood wounds are greater than others, you're going to have a greater need to find comfort and safety, making it arguably harder to create change, but definitely not impossible, at least not when you learn the tips on how to soothe that inner child and how to change how you feel regardless of the emotion you experience. Now, again, this all matters because it's changing your biology. If we go back to last week's message on the energy field, as you'll remember, we talked about the ego and how the ego helps create that sense of identity. But sometimes when the ego feels threatened or your sense of identity or self feels threatened, the ego can become inflated or deflated and either end of the spectrum, it becomes, it pushes itself into survival where you go into self-preservation mode and you become really infatuated with yourself. You become obsessed or even on the other end of the spectrum, you become a victim to life. In either case, it's life revolving around you. And the reason that happens is because at some point you've been threatened to the point where you have no other option but to ignite this egotistic response, even getting into the extreme of narcissism, right? Where everything revolves around you because if everything revolves around you, you can somehow keep yourself safe, or at least that's the perception. Now, I'm not saying this is all biological and it's not just a sense of survival. I think a lot of these are learned patterns that once the ego becomes inflated and you start getting attention and praise, of course you can stay there because it's a pleasurable experience. But even that is driven out of the biological need to find safety and to create comfort and pleasure. That's what our body is looking for. And the less we provide those things for our body, the more we will find it in unhealthy ways. And that's the same thing with your ego, right? Is like the less confident you are, The more insecure you become, the more obsessed you're going to be about yourself because it's confidence that creates that balanced ego that helps you to see outside of yourself and to really start to live life because you're so secure in who you are and who you were created to be. Now, I'm going to explain the ego a little bit because after the last podcast, my husband said, I always just assumed the ego was bad and I think that is a common association because we often hear of the ego in negative ways. Oh, you're so egotistical or, you know, you have a huge ego. And I think that's the same in other aspects of life, right? Even body fat, right? Like we villainize some things that aren't intended to be villainized. And the process of villainizing them makes you the victim and it only accentuates the problems at hand. It's the same thing when we go back to understanding it's not necessarily what you feel that's wrong. It's your perception of the feeling and really your feelings about the feeling. So like feeling sad is one thing, but feeling bad that you feel sad or guilty that you feel sad, like stacking emotions on top of emotions is where we start to see 
our lack of security come into the picture. It's not the emotions that are wrong. You're going to feel them. It's your perception or what you do with the emotion that's going to completely change your outcome. And that's essentially emotional mastery. So no, your ego is not bad. It's actually a necessary part of the human existence because again, that ego creates your sense of self. And it's looking to achieve balance or security, which is going to help create balance and harmony within your body. It's going to create that larger energy field as we talked about in the last podcast. And honestly, I think the last podcast proves the biological component of why emotions are so important inside the body because emotions are emitting a frequency and that frequency is changing the frequency of our cells. It's signaling that frequency is impacting every single cell in your body and the outcome that it experiences or creates. So this is why like when we go back to a book like The Body Keeps the Score, right? And how emotions are stored inside of our body and how those emotions are having an impact on our entire biology is partially because of this frequency that's admitted or this energy of those emotions and creating the sense of safety and creating a security or a lack of security inside your system. And I'll say it again and again, the only way to get healthy is to create a sense of safety within you. And that can be done regardless of how you feel. So yes, the ego is very beneficial. It is something to understand because it creates your sense of self-identity. But there's actually different parts of the ego. And I'm not talking about like the super ego, the id ego, but there's three different states. And researchers have labeled these states as the parent ego, the adult ego, and the child ego. Now, the parent ego is the part of you or the part of your ego that behaves, feels, and thinks in ways that were influenced by your parents. So this is kind of the programming that was established in you based on what you saw your parents living and the way they experienced life and how they interacted and perceived others. That is essentially your parent ego. It's the attitudes, behaviors, and feelings from your parents whether that's nurturing or controlling, positive or negative, your parent ego is essentially mimicking the patterns that you learned. Your child ego is the part of you that behaves, feels, and thinks in a similar fashion to how you did as a child. This part of your ego is rooted in your past. This is where childhood trauma and the act of reparenting is really going to Take a stand because if we want to move into the balanced ego or what's considered the adult state, that's your ability to think and act based on the present. This is what I like to think of as the ability to act based on how you want to feel, not how you currently feel. And too often we just engage with life based on how we feel. And this is why it's so hard to make change. Because the parent and the child ego are such huge influences on our existing ego that we have a hard time coming to, uh, to associate with our adult ego or coming to create a relationship with the adult self that says, even though this may have been how I reacted in the past, it's not how I want to react or act going forward. 
It's essentially allowing yourself to see outside of how you feel, to act regardless of how you feel, and to do it when you feel like doing it and even when you don't feel like doing it. Because when it comes to so many positive and healthy things in life, whether it's your health or your relationships or money, it's going to require you to do things even when you don't feel like doing them. Not necessarily because they're right, the thing you have to do, but simply because you know in doing them, you're going to create a better outcome. And we will never engage with those things as long as we keep cycling in past patterns without having any understanding of how our emotions are dictating our life. And they are. A hundred percent of the time, even your logical decisions are arguably just emotion that you've created some factual information to make it feel like logic. But everything is emotional. It's understanding how can I deal with this emotion so that I can make the right decision and emotionally feel confident about it. So your ego or you are essentially acting out of one of these three states at all points throughout your day. And when you act out of these old past states, you're going to find yourself stuck in repeated patterns. So your goal has to be strengthening that adult part of you or the part of you that is most present focused and able to make decisions regardless of your emotions or make decisions even when you don't feel like it because you know in doing those things, it's going to benefit you and the world around you. It's really creating the sense of balance within your ego so that you are able to stop competing with life You increase your healing frequency, you heal, and in the process of you healing, you help heal others and the world around you. That's the power of your ego. But that's going to require you going back and understanding, okay, am I living out of the parent form of my ego or the child form of my ego, or do I have a good relationship with the adult form of my ego? Like, can I get to the ability where I recognize that this is how I feel, acknowledge that without accepting that as a truth and acting and justifying yourself because of it? Because when we don't acknowledge how we feel and we just start acting, we often get ourselves stuck in this victim mindset or this overtly egotistical or prideful sense of ourself, which are both really negative emotions that are creating a lack of healing in your body. If you go back to that energy frequency chart that I'm going to post again over in the blog, you'll find that even pride is a negative emotion. It's it's creating a negative frequency throughout your body, making your body respond in a negative way. So the goal has to be is understanding that while you feel those things and you cannot deny or diminish or suppress or numb those feelings which are all really common tactics when we don't know what to do with our emotions or we feel like our emotions aren't normal or human, we start to try to avoid them at all costs. One, because we aren't taught how to sit in pain and we're not taught that pain can also be good and we're not taught that human existence is always going to involve some form of pain. And we don't see how others do this and we don't grieve well and we're not taught how to grieve, then it makes it really challenging to ever really create any form of emotional mastery. Because emotional mastery requires you to acknowledge how you feel, to sit in it, 
and then also make changes outside of it to act regardless of that. And again, a lot of this is established in the younger years of us and especially in the younger years when we've been traumatized. Now, I know that you might be thinking, well, I didn't experience trauma or my childhood was fantastic. And and that could be true. You can have a really great childhood and still have childhood wounds that you're acting out of. And I've asked a lot of experts on the show. In fact, every single mindset expert that's come on the show, I've asked the same question and I've always gotten the same answer. The question is, does every single human have some form of trauma? And the answer is always yes. We all have an emotional wound that happened to us or that was maybe even self-created or self-inflicted. It doesn't have to be massive, although it could be massive. Some of us have a lot more than others, but we all have something. And this childhood wound is internally creating a need for you to act out of, for you to try to fulfill. And you might not be aware of it, but we're all truly acting out of that wound, especially if we don't know how to satisfy or how to heal that wound or reparent that wound so we can act differently. I don't want to blame your parents. A lot of parents are just existing and out of their own wounds are trying to find their way, leaving child's emotional needs unmet. And when our emotional needs were unmet in childhood, It creates this emotional confusion or detachment, and we start to struggle with how to connect with others, how to connect with ourselves, how to set boundaries, how to ask for help. I mean, there's so many things that happen with childhood wounds that almost create this emotional chaos, and it leaves us running to the most comfortable and pleasurable thing, even if those things aren't healthy, because That's how we learn to survive. And honestly, in childhood, a lot of the things that we did were out of survival. They may not have been good, but they were how you stayed alive and how you got yourself through that turmoil or that emotional wound because they do make a difference in our life because we are emotional. It's the core of humanity. And so when you have those wounds, we start to act out of survival. Now, I'm going to give you a little story, and this might help explain it, and I have full permission to tell this story, but I had a client once who came to me, and she had a terrible time trying to lose weight, and she couldn't do it, and she was just kind of really stuck, and no matter what we did, we just couldn't get over the hump. She had an excuse for everything that she did, and one of the things I had asked her to do was, every time you want to eat, I need you to make a plate and just sit down at the table. If you're hungry enough, you will fill a plate and you'll sit down at the table. If you're not, you probably won't, right? So just take the extra step, sit down and be present. And she kind of refused that. And I didn't know why. And I kind of dismissed it. And we went about other things. But she later came back into my office a few weeks later. And she's like, I am absolutely never going to sit down to eat. Like I'm too busy. She had all those excuses. And again, we kept talking about it and I could just see that she had this massive resistance to having a meal at a table. And I finally said to her, I finally started to pick up on the fact that there had to have been more trauma that happened, right? Like there was massive resistance going on to something that felt so simple to me and so simple to many other people, 
But to her, it was a really, really big issue. To make the story short, I later learned that she had some really traumatic events happen at her dining room table. Her dad often came when her mom cooked this meal. He would come to the table very drunk, and it would cause chaos and rage. And she really just learned in those moments to survive by taking food and snacking on it throughout the day or hiding in her bedroom to eat her meals. And while that's incredibly dysfunctional for most of us, that was her form of survival as a child. And what happens when we leave those traumatic states behind, we don't leave the patterns behind unless we learn or learn how to re-nourish ourselves so that we can. And so what was an act of survival as childhood turned into this incredibly dysfunctional as an adult, leading Roxanne into patterns and behaviors that left her stuck because that is what was safe for her body. That was learned safety. And in some ways, we're all acting out of learned safety because of the power of the emotional needs that must be met in order for us to feel safe. And this is hard, right? Like this isn't easy and I'm not asking you to think about this stuff or bring it up in any way to re-traumatize you. Your body will always fight that. But what I am trying to get you to understand is that you are acting emotionally and it's not wrong. That's being human. But if you want to change and if you want to get healthier and create a sense of safety, we have to learn how to act based on how we want to feel, not how we currently feel. We're still driven by emotion, but we're driven by emotions that we want to experience, regardless of the emotions we may be experiencing. And this is a game changer. Because when it comes to food, most people don't engage in positive behaviors, not because they don't know it's the right thing to do, but it's because they don't feel like doing it or their emotions have led them down a different path, which has led them to feel guilt and shame and just state things like, I'll start again on Monday. It's also why people give into their cravings or maybe even experience cravings because their internal biology is so far out of whack. It's working at such a negative state that the body has no other form of survival but to give in and seek out energy and external places like food. So this really does matter in the scope of health and the scope of our lifestyle practices and creating habits and really even the way that we eat and approach food. Because if we're working out of a negative emotional state, our body is working out of a negative emotional state. And when we're in this energy debt, our body has no other option but to seek it out, to go in search of it. And often that happens in unhealthy ways. We give into food cravings, we eat more carbs, we snack, we gorge ourselves on the Ben and Jerry's, and we justify it because you deserve it. Because you had a hard day and hard days are hard and we shouldn't have to go through those hard days. And I'm not saying it's fair, but it is human. And if we just keep ourselves stuck in this victim mindset, we will never move forward. We have to see beyond it to recognize that while you can experience the pain, you can acknowledge it, we don't have to live out of it. And that's really the key with emotional mastery and the art of reparenting yourself. So technically, the art of reparenting is 
as psychology today defines it, is understanding those unmet needs internally and learning how to support and love your adult self to provide comfort, protection, and security. So it's understanding those emotions and those unmet needs that maybe you had as a child that you're feeling even today and learning how to create those for yourself. Not someone else, but for yourself. It's the process of self-discovery and self-nurturing that allows you to confront and heal unresolved childhood experiences and emotional resilience. And just some signs that you might need to do this process, you might find that you are emotionally reactive, you have unhealthy coping mechanisms, you have uh, unhealthy relationship patterns, low self-esteem, or even difficulty setting boundaries. And I'd even add to that and say, you also have an inability to experience and to achieve a state of health, or you find yourself stuck in old patterns. And those problems exist because we are so disconnected and disassociated from our emotions. So the first step is learning you are an emotional being. Male and female, we're all emotional. And those emotions can be shifted based on your perception of them. And that's how you're going to create the change you're looking for. Now, I just want to take a few steps back and remind you of the difference between emotions and feelings and why these are so powerful. I do have a separate podcast all on emotions and feelings that I will link up in the show notes. But essentially, emotions are generally uncontrolled. They're sensations in the body birthed out of experience. Again, an emotion is very similar to a sense, like seeing, hearing, tasting. Emotions are feedback or signals to your body. Now, feelings, on the other hand, are birthed out of the emotion, and feelings are generated from your thoughts and perceptions about those emotions. And this is a really key point to note. And if you want to write something down so you can think about it, this is a point you need to write down. Emotions are a sensation birthed out of an experience, but feelings are are generated from the thoughts and perceptions of those emotions or about those emotions. Emotions aren't going to change. They shouldn't change. They are, they just are. But what can change is how you feel within that emotion. And this is the power because it's not the emotion necessarily that's generating the sense of safety or threat. It's the feeling birthed out of the perception of that emotion that creates that sense of safety. And this is what you can change is your feelings. Now, why this is so tricky is because your brain will always try to convince you that whatever feels good is the same as what is right or good. But as we know, what feels good doesn't always associate with what is good for you. I want to take a brief break to remind you of the summer podcast series, Element. Now, one of the reasons why I love Element is one, because electrolytes are critical to hydrating the body. As we know, we're mostly water and The healthier our water content or the more balanced our water content, the better the electricity and the frequency is going to flow within our body. Really, the more energized we're going to feel. Now, a lot of electrolyte drinks on the market 
obviously have so many processed ingredients and excess and added sugar that is doing more harm than good. Element is not that way. It is a zero sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research revealing that optimal health outcomes occur at sodium levels two to three times the government recommendation. And each stick packet delivers a meaningful dose of electrolytes free of sugar, artificial colors, and other dodgy ingredients. And as we've been talking about inside this podcast and all the podcasts this summer, your body only heals if it feels safe enough to heal. And part of its safety is having all of the nutrients and vitamins and minerals and electrolytes that it needs to do the job that it was designed. And far too many of us are missing out on these necessary and vital electrolytes and minerals inside of our body. And just having a daily dose of element can help supply those basic needs that your body requires to thrive. Yes, we can talk all day long about changing our perception, but part of that comes from just having the foundational support at the nutritional level, which is going to help you make these mindset shifts in greater capacity and without all the extra work and energy. So make sure you check out Element. It will do your body a world of good. And there's tons and tons of new research coming out about the impact of sodium, specifically on your nervous system. It's wild information. You can learn more by heading on over to drinklmnt.com and use my link at drinkelement.com backslash made for living well to get your free sample packs and try it out for yourself. It is salty, but I'm telling you, I crave this every single day. I know you're going to love it and it's going to help you in the process of healing. But let's learn more by getting back to today's episode. And this is why I'm such a proponent of understanding the difference between seeking pleasure and creating pleasure. And they generally come from two different places. One is from seeking this need to be filled or fixed. And the other one comes from already being filled. And whenever we try to live life seeking this inner fulfillment, we're always going to come up short and we're really always gonna engage in either old patterns, staying stuck, while also engaging in things that are hurtful or harmful to us. Rather than learning how to be filled internally and out of that, creating pleasure for yourself. And this is the difference between doing things based on how you currently feel and doing things based on how you want to feel. When you do things based on how you want to feel, you're not going to feel like it in the moment. But even when you don't feel like it, you can see the bigger picture and you can see the greater outcome and you can, in the end, experience a greater pleasure because you simply started when you didn't feel like it. Now, I feel like I'm talking in circles, so let me give you an example. I would argue that most people who work out don't necessarily feel like starting but it's a feeling they experience after they finish. Maybe I should just speak for myself. Here's what I'm trying to say. I don't feel like waking up in the morning and I certainly don't feel like working out when I do wake up in the morning. But if I put all of my attention and emphasis into how I currently feel, I will never do it. I will get stuck in patterns that leave me doing things that feel good immediately, even if they have long-term consequences because I get so consumed in the temporary that I neglect the long-term, that I neglect the greater outcome. 
I get so consumed in the short things, which creates more insecurity or enforces that insecurity rather than having the confidence to do things regardless of how you currently feel. It seems so minute, but these are things that are trained and learned. And it's really creating a greater perception of your feelings. Again, feelings are based on thoughts and perceptions. So if I convince myself in the morning, yeah, sleeping in would be so much better. And then I start to justify it. Like that's still an emotional decision. And that might be fine here and there. But consistently, if you want to create change, you're going to have to do different things and engage in new behaviors to create new patterns. So working out for me is something I love to do, but I never feel like doing it. But I don't stop at how I feel or I don't put my attention on how I feel currently, but rather I start to put all of my attention into, but how will I feel when I get this done? What do I feel like for the rest of the day if I do this thing? It's a shift in where you put your attention. And this is like all of life. What you give attention to grows. So the more you give your negative feelings more attention, the more you're going to have those negative feelings. Like stop giving those negative things attention and time and energy and they'll stop growing. If you think you're not capable of getting healthy, you won't be capable of getting healthy and you'll just stay stuck in doing things based on how you currently feel. You'll do things based on your shame and your guilt and feeling lethargic and tired and you'll just stay there. Instead of understanding health, life, Living your purpose, experiencing things to the fullness is always going to require you doing things even when you don't feel like it. I'll be honest, marriage is hard, right? Like there's a lot of times I don't feel the love and the passion I once did, but that doesn't mean I stop trying to connect or acting in a way that is loving. You do it because you know the greater good is doing things even when you don't always feel like it. And that's really what emotional mastery is. It's recognizing that one, your feelings are self-contained. They are only felt by you. And while we all associate specific words with specific feelings, we're all living those out or experiencing them in unique ways. So what you feel is going to be different from someone else. And I think that's important to note because, yes, we may all classify them the same way. They are all experienced in very unique ways. And that is contained to you. No one is telling you how to feel. Only you. Number two, feelings are incredibly temporary. In fact, most emotions or feelings are only experienced for less than 15 minutes And so if you're feeling it, you have to know that it too will pass. That doesn't mean you need to shove or numb or run from them. I think it gives you freedom to be like, I don't like this feeling, but it's not going to last forever. And so I can sit in it and let it pass. That's a really big goal with feelings. And then number three is most feelings are inaccurate. Again, they're based on childhood wounds or the ego of your parent or your childlike self, these patterns and these thoughts and these um, behaviors based on maybe experiences that you didn't experience, you are now repeating just because they've been learned. 
But a lot of times they are inaccurate in the big scope of things, especially if these are repeated patterns. So what I'm trying to say is you don't have to trust your feelings. You can acknowledge them, which is really, really important. You've got to stop dismissing your feelings. You can acknowledge them, but also question them or kind of start to put it through this process of recognizing, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it accurate? Like you can start to question your feelings and in the process of questioning them, I think you can, you can come to the conclusion, okay, I might have felt this, but this is actually how I want to feel. And you can start to put more emphasis in the positive rather than the negative. It's really creating this ability to uncouple meaning from feeling. And just because you feel something doesn't mean life is that something. So you start to uncouple the feeling and the meaning, knowing they're not always true or accurate or helpful. And if it's not helpful, we have to stop engaging with it. Again, emotions are feedback. Feelings are perception, meaning you can change the perception of your feelings. What matters more than what you feel is how you act out of that feeling or what you do with that feeling. This is really where the game changed because even in health, it's not about what you do to your body. It's how your body responds to what you do, how it acts out of what you do. The same is true for your feelings and your feelings are changing what your body does with what you do. Everything is changing based on the perception that you give your feelings and how you act out of them. Now, here's the thing. I know this is a lot. And I'm not trying to get you not to feel. That is not the goal. And I think that's been the goal for far too long is try to avoid feeling and try not to have negative feelings. And I even went to therapy thinking, I'm just so negative. And if I could just be more positive, I could change my life, which is partially true. But my attempt to do that was to not think negatively at all, which is an impossible reality. We will always have negative thoughts. In fact, the majority of us will have more negative thoughts than positive thoughts. That's not the problem. We are not trying to get rid of bad emotions and create more positive ones. Our job is learning how to manage emotions to find benefit regardless of what you are currently feeling. It's shifting the perspective. And I say this because we cannot control life to the point where you never experience something negative. And I think so many of us try to exist here because the world in some way makes us believe it, right? Like we don't want to age and we don't want to die. And so we try to alter our life and control it so meticulously in a way that we don't think we're going to have to experience those hard things. And in the process, we create all these negative associations with the places that we fear going instead of recognizing maybe there is some good in the aging process. Like it's a perception. It's recognizing like, okay, I once thought this was the worst thing in the world, but now I'm starting to see that even though my body's changing and I'm experiencing different things, that doesn't mean it's bad. It might be some great things. Like these are the things that are coming out of this based on the experience that I'm living. 
Our job is to find benefit no matter what the emotion is. It's all about the story we tell ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we are not in control of the emotions that we experience. They are bodily sensations. Yes, we might be able to change our environment and what we engage with, which might change our emotions, but we are all going to feel the range of emotions. What matters is how we perceive those emotions or what we believe and think out of them. And if we can learn to find the benefit in all emotions, that's going to change our response to those emotions. And instead of needing to run away from them because we've, we've made them out to be this big villain and so painful and scary, and then we engage in unhealthy pleasure, instead, we can sit with that. We can understand why we might be feeling that way. And then we can do something differently. <laughs> and that different is what's going to help us create new patterns in our life. It's going to help us to recognize That while the pattern I might be living out of, the one that's kept me stuck repeating the same old story, or the pattern that's made me look and feel just like my parents did, or the pattern that has made me um, believe this about money or believe this about marriage or relationships, might not be true or healthy or beneficial. And in the process of that, you can start to shift yourself to do things differently. Not necessarily because you feel differently, but because you've changed your perception of how you feel and you know how to create a better feeling inside of that. You get to change your feelings no matter if your emotions stay the same or not because that's the power that you hold. And that's the power that's going to reshape your entire biology. Because what so many of us have believed based on old childhood wounds is that pain is bad and pain needs to be avoided at all costs. And in the process of avoiding pain, we often pick up unhealthy behaviors that look like positive things, but are actually incredibly negative. This is what like Brené Brown and other researchers call the near enemy. It's like we're living so close to the truth that we can believe it, but it's actually creating more harm than good. It's like kids who maybe felt abandoned and they didn't experience love, Now, as adults, you might be living out of attachment, which mimics love, but it's actually a very unhealthy form of love that is more related to hate and negative emotions than it is love. When we understand that we have feelings, we have hurts, we have wounds, we are going to be hurt, we are going to be triggered. The goal is not to avoid those feelings or try to escape them or bury them in a bin of Ben and Jerry's. But the goal is to, okay, understand and have some form of self-awareness to recognize, I am feeling this. I don't always have to know what triggered me, but I just have to recognize this is what I'm feeling and this is what I can do to help myself move through that feeling and create a positive outcome based on that feeling. So it's like for me, for instance, saying like sometimes I'll get triggered and I'll feel really anxious and I'll feel like I need to make sure everyone is taken care of and happy at the expense of my own needs and my own happiness. I will give and diminish myself all day long. And I've recognized that doesn't actually help anyone else. And it's certainly not helping me. 
And in the process of that, I have to recognize that the most helpful thing I can do for other people is to be secure and safe myself. So when I'm feeling triggered and overwhelmed and I feel the need to like make sure everyone is on their best behavior and feeling happy, I just take a deep breath and I recognize, okay, right now I'm feeling really unsafe. I feel really worried about someone else's emotions, even though their emotions are not really my responsibility. And in the process, I might take a few deep breaths. I might uh, pull myself out of the situation. I have learned to remind myself that other people's emotions are not my problem to deal with or to shift and change. And then I remind myself that I can still be confident and grounded in who I am, regardless of what's going on around me. So it's a lot of self-coaching yourself through this. Sometimes it's engaging in positive behaviors, things that help you decompress or create balance inside yourself. A lot of times it's just re-energizing your body with what you already have. So I might coach myself through it. I might try to change the story, shift the narrative, remind myself that I am those things or who I am as a child of God. And, you know, I think this is why scripture memorization is really important and I'm really terrible at it, but it helps you remember things that are really important when you can't see them for yourself. And then also I try to engage in behavior that's going to be filling. I often remove myself from the situation or maybe I'll take a 10 minute walk around the block. I might pick up a book or turn on some music. And I I think sometimes that could look like running away from the situation, but I think there's a time and a place when we all need the ability to get ourselves to the healthiest place and then re-engage in the situation. Like there's no benefit to engaging in situations that are unhealthy if you're also acting out of unhealth. (laughs) I think there's a, a value in walking away knowing you're also going to come back to the situation and you're going to to help out of your filled, healthy self. So some other things that maybe are better examples at work when work is super stressful and you want to go through the drive-through or eat the ice cream or binge the candy on your coworker's desk. I think those are signs to say like, okay, I'm incredibly stressed. This work project is overwhelming. I'm feeling exhausted. Again, understanding where you are and then what can I do to help myself in a positive way? It might be a little bit more work than just this temporary binge on things that are going to change how we feel in a very temporary way. Like we know eating a whole bag of chips or a bowl of candy never really makes anyone feel good long term, right? It tends to only induce more feelings of guilt and shame, which only repeats the cycle. Instead, it's knowing how to talk to yourself And to help yourself in a way that allows you to act and behave and think in a way based on how you want to feel, not in how you currently feel. Because if we always train ourselves to act based on how we feel, we will always stay stuck in our old patterns. The goal of life has to be getting yourself to a place where you can do it when you feel like it, but you'll also do it when you don't feel like it. And that's really where you're going to find a sense of health. Because it's not going to be easy, but you recognize the pleasure is not in the temporary feeling or masking the temporary feeling, but how you feel long term. 
Now, I'm gonna give you some more specific tools on how to reparent yourself. But a few things that I could tell you is, one, you have to be incredibly aware of your emotions and how you're feeling. And this is not always easy, especially in a society that's taught not to feel. And we'll even see this in other people, uh, like in grieving populations, when people are like, oh, it's okay, you'll get over it soon, or, you know, um, time heals all wounds, or we, we throw out verbiage that actually is just trying to make ourselves feel better because we don't like to be around other people who aren't feeling well. Like we, we're so triggered by that, that we can't just sit with people because we can't sit with ourselves. Like we can't sit with our own emotions. So I think it's really important to understand how you feel and not be scared of it. You are capable of sitting in hard things. We are capable of grieving and we should grieve because it's in grieving and experiencing pain and suffering that we actually experience more happiness, joy, and pleasure. We have to feel hard things to understand and even value the good things. And so we have to be able to sit with ourselves, to sit with what hurts, to be sad about our childhood and the wounds that were placed upon us, to grieve those things. And then in the process of that, learning what do you need What do you need to know? What do you need to experience? And how can you create that for yourself and with God to create this inner filling to fill your soul so that you're not seeking it in outside sources? So some things you can do, again, creating that awareness, learning to sit with your feelings, not necessarily to accept them as truth or your reality, but just to sit with it, to allow yourself to feel it, and then in the process to create a new story through that. And you can do this through prayer, through meditation, creating stillness in your life is so powerful. And what 99% of people want to avoid, partially because I don't think they want to confront how they actually feel. So if we just keep ourselves busy enough, we don't have to. But meditation, stillness, journaling, um, sometimes it's really hard to just think. But when you start to put action in your thoughts by a process like writing, it engages more parts of your brain which is really going to help you process through things in a different way. It's a very unique gift that we've been given. um, And I think it's a tool that we need to use more often is sometimes when you don't know what you're feeling is just to start writing it out and what things you couldn't verbalize, you might find that you can comprehend in written word. And so that's going to be really powerful. And then creative expression. A lot of wounds and old behaviors have really taken away this creative side of us and this sexual side of us, um, which is our creative and our curious part of our body. It's all in the same spectrum. Last year, I did the whole sex talk. If you haven't listened to it, you got to go back and listen to it because you'll find that um, a lot of the reasons that people don't have libido and they also don't have curiosity or creativity without having a libido is simply because that's been taken away from us or it's been hidden and this overdrive of just surviving. And so just engaging with creative expression can actually help your body to re-enter into this more, um, I want to say, a healthy balance of emotions. That doesn't necessarily mean all positive emotions, but allowing yourself to experience and feel those emotions more fully and in the process, creating more resiliency. So this could be, creative expression could be in the clothes that you wear and um, cooking or hobbies or in your home decor. I mean, there's a million ways to create some kind of creative expression 
but that can be really healing and important in moving through your feelings as is play and recreation. But the key with play and recreation is it can't be another thing you think you have to do to achieve some kind of health benefit that takes away the play, right? Like that adds stress to play and that negates the positive benefits of play. So just playing just to play that could be like one of the things that we love to do is like play pickleball and I love to read and I love to go outside and play soccer with the kids and go exploring or take a hike through the woods. There's lots of ways that you could add more play and recreation to your life. And then of course, there's always a time and a place with really deep childhood wounds that you need professional help and some professional guidance. I know one thing that I did in my my healing and with my therapist was I wrote a note to my inner child, to my little self, like the self that felt like scared and overwhelmed. I just went back to her and I told her things and I reinforced things that maybe she didn't hear that she needed to hear. And this is not always at fault to your parents because I had very loving parents, but sometimes kids can't express the needs that they do have. And they just go unmet, not because your parents intended to, but because they didn't know that's what you needed. Only you know some of those things. And so now you have the gift of going back to that child and writing her or him a note and a letter and doing this often, especially when you're feeling really out of balance, to remind yourself that you are safe, that things are different, that you did the best that you could, you felt what you needed to feel and that was really hard, and really to walk yourself through the stages of grief, but also creating a new outcome and story. Again, that might need professional guidance, But some of those things you can do on your own. And then I also think there's a level of forgiveness to others, to yourself, that's going to be really important in moving forward. And that's a conversation we're going to have in the next podcast of getting more into the spirituality side of things and forgiveness and why this is a gift to yourself just as much as it is to other people. But when it comes back to how you heal, I know we want to talk about food, and food can make a huge difference in this process. If you're not nurtured and nourished internally, it's going to be harder to do these things. You're going to stay stuck in these old patterns because that's an act of survival. It takes both sides of the spectrum. You've got to nourish your body, and you've got to do this work too, kind of in this yo-yo or back-and-forth motion. So feed your body well, get plenty of rest, move your body, get your minerals, take your element, But then also do this work of engaging in your feelings and starting to put a healthier spin on what it is that you feel and acting based on how you want to feel. Don't expect this to go perfectly ever and especially not right away, but it's a training process. It's getting acquainted and finding some security within yourself. And in the process of that, it will change how you act, but it will take time Because old habits do die hard. It's going to take consistency and constant awareness to keep moving forward. But I know you can because that's how the body was designed. It was designed to thrive. We've just got to give it the right environment and space to do so. So yes, emotional mastery is critical and the health of your whole, because it's your emotions that drive the frequency of your body and the energetic level to every single cell, changing your hormonal flow, your nervous system response, 
the entire picture of how you look and your body fat is all partially determined by how you feel. So we have to start learning that if you can change how you feel, you will change how you look. And it starts by emotional mastery and the art of reparenting yourself. Now, as promised, I will have more information over at The Living Well, where you can learn more about reparenting and emotional mastery. And we're gonna take it a little bit further and more personal over in the weekly fill, where I'm gonna give you some questions and prompts on what did you learn from your past? What was programmed in you from the people that you were surrounded with in your childhood? And how do you see those programs and plans laid out in your life today? And then we're gonna start shifting the story to create something new. So I hope you'll join me over there at The Living Well and Weekly Fill, which you can find at thelivingwell.com. Also, don't forget to check out Element to get your free samples because that is going to help your body stay nourished. I'll be back here with another topic next week as we dive just a little bit further, and then we're gonna pull out in the last two podcast episodes, really creating those practical everyday steps that will create healing in your everyday life, regardless of the things that you do. It will just become your way of life. Okay, I will see you back here in the next podcast.